Yeah. Politics with Mercer Prescott. Politics with his eclectic band of cronies giving you the truth about everything they lie about. Donald Trump, Hillary Clinton, don't forget about Earn to Burn. What you gonna do is learn. That's right, it's now your turn. Politics, go and listen. Get your lesson, watch my blink glisten. I'm gonna get what you're missing. But the bullshit now you're pissing me off. Y'all heard the news, you get a soft, full of lies. And why do they try? They wanna trick you. But politics is gonna gift you with education for the masses to get up in your ignorant asses. Politics with Mercer Prescott and the collective band of cronies. Yeah! Politics. Every Monday at 7 p.m., dial 1-646-668-8795 to speak with the host, Mercer Prescott, now. What's the good word? All right, politics with Mercer Prescott. Go. Yeah. <laughs> well, Merry Christmas, everyone. Hope everybody had a great holiday, and uh, hope everybody's gearing up for a happy new year. Uh, I I can't see uh, 2017 being any worse than 2016, and that's just in celebrity deaths. George Michael passed away uh, on Christmas died of uh, heart failure. I'm sorry, so, you asked a question? Yeah. Oh, uh? Hello? Hello? Oh, you still there? Did you ask a question? Who, me? I'm sorry. No. My, my microphone's backing up. Oh, okay. I'm going to put myself on pause. Okay. But, uh, you know, 2016 has been a brutal year, and like I said, that was just for entertainment. That doesn't even include politics. So much stuff going on, of course. Uh, in case you didn't know, there was an election this year, <laughs> and we have a new president-elect, uh, Trump. I, I can't call him President Trump. Every time I, I say President and Trump in the same sentence, I could just feel the bile in my stomach rising, so – I just call him Trump. I, I can't do the, the President Trump thing. So, but uh, I, I just the the thing that people don't do in these situations is that they have no self reflection. They don't look back and say, "Hey, how did this all go wrong?" Or when they do, like Hillary Clinton, they look back and they say. Well, I looked back and looked at everything and found out that none of this is my fault. It's all the voters' fault. <laughs> so, but I think as a country, we should do a little bit of self-reflection. You know, my thing is this: uh, before I before I start running my mouth, man, Blue, how was your Christmas, man? Oh well, it's not really religious. I don't really like pagan holidays per se. Um, 
I feel like, yeah, you know, I'm a Christian, but I don't believe in all the paganism that's associated with Christian Christianity in America. So to answer your question, without even going into a tangent about something that could take up a whole three or four shows, um, <laughs> it's great. I, I, I rested, I ate, I enjoyed media, I was able to work on some things, I mainly rested, and in that way it was great. How was yours? It was actually pretty good. I, I stayed over at a friend's house, and they have this Christmas Eve thing every year. They have the kids come over and, you know, to get their presents and stuff like that. And, uh, you know, I sent presents to my nieces and nephews, you know, out of state. And I got a call from my niece. She's like four years old. And I, I got her a gift card to Toys R Us. And she's so adorable. She calls them credit cards. So she was like, thank you for my credit card, Uncle Mercer. <laughs> <laughs> so... But um, you should have got it, it for books. You should have got it for Barnes and Noble. Watch out now. <laughs> yeah, well, her, her her grandmother has her all taken care of on that, as far as the reading front, you know, teaching her how to read and everything. So, just like me, when I went to school, she she'll go in the in the school already knowing how to read. My sister's mm-hmm. good like that, you know. That's good stuff. Good stuff. So. There's some theories that indicate that that's more harmful because they'd be bored and they're more likely to be labeled ADHD because they're bored with the lessons that's put in front of them because they're already so far advanced and their peers. Hmm. I don't know. When, when I was a kid, there was no ADHD. I guess there was, but, you know, they're like, well, we just need to give them tougher work, keep them interested. <laughs> so, right. But, but, uh, uh you know, holidays are always a time for reflection. You know, people have extra time on their hands and not, not necessarily working or anything like that, so they reflect. And one thing as a country that we don't really do is reflect enough. You know, we just push forward sometimes. And sometimes you got to take a look back. You don't have to live in the past. There's no saying if you live in the past, you die a little more every day. But, you know, the past is a great teacher. You kind of reflect on it. But one thing I, I will say, I have a novel idea for America. I'm going to keep this very simple. America should just shut the fuck up and just not lecture anybody on anything ever again. We've lost that right. We've been losing that right for decades. And now with this election, it's basically just we can't tell anybody anything anymore, especially about democracy. We just can't. And the main reason why is that America is not a democracy. America is an oligarchy. Okay? So I'm pretty sure everybody listening is very smart. But just in case, uh, I'm reading this out of Wikipedia. So I'm not that organized when it comes to these things. But an oligarchy, it's a Greek word. It means few. And it means also means uh, – to rule or, or to command, and it's a form of a power structure in which power effectively rests with a small number of people. These people might be distinguished by nobility, wealth, family ties, education, or corporate, religious, or military control. Such states are often controlled by a few prominent families who typically pass their influence from one generation to the next, but inheritance is not necessarily a condition for the application of this term. Throughout history, oligarchies have often been uh, tyrannical, relying on public obedience or oppression to exist. Aristotle pioneered the use of the term as a synonym for rule by the rich. 
for which another term commonly is used today uh, is plutocracy. Uh, Mitt Romney, when he ran against Obama in 2012, he was often referred to as a plutocrat. And basically, he felt that he should rule, not because he was more qualified, simply because he was rich. So his being rich was, in his mind, was qualification enough to be the leader of the free world, despite the fact that he inherited most of his wealth. Yes, he ran his own businesses and stuff like that, but, he, but to start those businesses, he inherited a bunch of money. There was nothing wrong with that. Every parent would love to leave their kids money so they don't have to work as hard as they did. So there's nothing wrong with that. What's wrong is when they don't teach their kids that it's not their money that makes them better than other people or that their money doesn't make them better than other people, but you know, you got to have a good heart and a good character. A lot of people in the, the Forbes uh, – I think it's Forbes, whoever lists like the richest people in the world, a lot of people on that list inherited their money. So they didn't build money from the ground up. They didn't start their lemonade stand and then all of a sudden have a lemon empire. You know, they inherited their money. And people see them as successful and they may be successful in how they work their money, but it doesn't mean that they're good people. So now, uh, Princeton professor Martin uh, Gillens did a study with 30 years of bills passed through Congress, and he found that most of the time, bills that favor the rich get passed, even if most of the country disagrees with it. Okay. Uh, this is an excerpt from a website called minpost.com on the subject. Gillens searched three decades worth of survey data between the 1980s and the 2000s to identify 1,800 poll questions that revealed whether a particular policy change before Congress was supported by average Americans, by well, well, whether it was supported by average Americans, by wealthy Americans, or by organized lobbies. Many of the proposals never became law, but Gillens and, and his partner, uh, Page, found that policies supported by economic elites became law between 60 and 70 percent of the time. Policy supported by business lobbies also became law 60 to 70 percent of the time. Often these were the same policies. But policy changes favored by a majority of all voters were enacted just 30 percent of the time. Now, here's the clincher on that, right? The policies that became law that had the support of the majority of Americans in all cases all, in all cases, also had the support of the economic elite or powerful, uh, or powerful lobbies, or both. So, in other words, if the rich don't want it, you don't get it. That's what a lot of people aren't really seeing. You know, we go to the polls and we vote, and we think that our vote matters, and we really want to believe that our vote matters, and sometimes it actually does. Like in North Carolina, you know, uh, voting out Pat McCrory, just against all odds. And I'll go over that in a moment. But uh, when bills pass through Congress, if a rich person doesn't sign off on it or if a powerful business lobby doesn't sign off on it, uh, you're not going to get it. 
it up. That's a major, major problem. So, what do you think, Blue? That makes sense to me. I mean, money is power. What did um, Scarface say? Money in the power. Money in the power. I don't yeah. give a fuck because I got money in the power. And that's basically what it is. They got money. They don't give a fuck. They in the power. Yeah. It's. But the thing is, is that a lot of people just don't see it. You know. And over the years, it's become less and less blatant. You know, now all these shadow players are starting to come out in their light. So, you know, people like like the Koch brothers who were content in the shadows. Now everybody knows who they are, you know. And they make no bones about the fact that they uh, support the Tea Party, that they support all these right-wing groups that are out wreaking havoc, that they support uh, Tea Party candidates who have been removing moderate Republicans for years. So it's just been... Less and less transparent. It's like watching uh, Austin Powers and Dr. Evil tells you his entire plan. <laughs> because he's like, screw it, I'm just going to do it anyway. Because you're not going to stop me. So I can tell you exactly what I'm going to do. And it's going to pass anyway. <gasps> Put it like this, right? HB2. It's the bill that cost Pat McCrory his governorship. Cost him his reelection. You know, He lost... Uh, his election by 10,000 votes, which is not a lot of votes. And it was funny. It was about 4,500 votes, so he pushed for a recall, and by the time he finished counting all the rest of the provisional votes, uh, it was 10,000 votes, which meant that he couldn't go back and do another recall, because I think 10,000 votes was the limit. So the thing about HB2, and it's uh, the fact that North Carolina had been losing a lot of uh, financial ground on this. It's not because of what the people wanted. Okay. Uh, you had William Barber, NAACP, leading the Moral Monday protests, right? So every week they're out there, people are out there at the Capitol building, they're getting arrested, they're protesting, they're giving this thing all the light that they can. It became a nationwide thing. You had people like uh, Daily Show, uh, Seth Myers, you know, talking about it. So it became a national thing because of the, of the light that was shed on it. But the legislature and Pat McCrory were just like, we don't care. We're going to do it anyway. It wasn't until businesses started saying, well, you know, we want our people to feel safe, so we're not going to start business in North Carolina. Uh, we're not going to have the NBA All-Star Game in North Carolina. We're not going to have our college football events in North Carolina if people are going to be discriminated against and not be safe. That's when things started to hit the fan. Not when the people wanted it, but when the corporations wanted it, when the businesses wanted it, when the sporting uh, sports organizations wanted it. Then it became a problem for them. Not, when, not what the people wanted, because who gives a shit what the people want? We got your votes, you rubes. Now we can do what we want. So, and North Carolina is the biggest example of this because uh, North Carolina right now is no longer listed as a democracy, believe it or not. So uh, here's an article I got from the News and Observer, right? Uh, 
a little bit more reading, so forgive me on this. But uh, in 2012, uh, and I'm probably not pronouncing his name right, so forgive me on this. Uh, Jorgen Elkit, uh, I think it's Elklit. I'll just call him Jorgen. Uh, and I, being Andrew Reynolds, the guy who wrote the article, worked with Pippa Norris of Harvard University, who used the system as a cornerstone of the Electoral Integrity Project. Since then, the EIP has measured 213 elections in 153 countries, and it's widely agreed to be the most accurate method of evaluating how free and fair and democratic elections are across time and place. In a just-released EIP report, North Carolina's overall electoral integrity score of 58 out of 100 for the 2016 election places us alongside authoritarian states and pseudo-democracies like Cuba, Indonesia, and Sierra Leone. If it were a nation state, North Carolina would rank right in the middle of the global league, uh, a deeply flawed, partly free democracy that is only slightly ahead of the failed democracies that constitute much of the developing world. North Carolina does so poorly on the measures of legal framework and voter registration that on those indicators, we rank alongside Iran and Venezuela. Keep in mind that Iran is a theocracy. They are run by religious leaders. Okay. Um, When it comes to integrity of the voting district boundaries, no country has ever received as low a score as the 7 out of 100 North Carolina received. North Carolina is not only the worst state in the USA for unfair districting, but the worst entity in the world ever analyzed by the Electoral Integrity Project. Think about that for a moment. One of the things that keeps shitty politicians in power in North Carolina is the fact that uh, states are horribly gerrymandered. And like I said last week, don't take my word for it. Google it. Google what the electoral maps were in 2010 and look at them now. And as as they joked about on uh, Seth Meyers' show, one of the districts is so horribly disproportioned that when they have the, the map, they can't even draw the number of the district in it. That's how horribly disproportioned it is. So it's, you know, and it's just so wide open. But North Carolina has, the Republicans have the supermajority. So they're veto-proof. They can pass whatever they want, and nobody can stop them. So they can make all types of ridiculous rules like HB2, and nobody can stop them. You know, no matter who has it, whether the Democrats or Republicans, you know, and that's the thing. If you have a supermajority and you're passing stuff to help other people, I don't think anybody's going to mind if you have a supermajority. When you're just passing stuff to keep you in power and keep your cronies in power, and keep money funneling straight to the top, that's the real problem. Blue, let me ask you a question. I know how you feel about America. I know how I feel about America. But when people say America is number one, right? Like people like, USA, USA, you know, like Hulk Hogan walking on the ring, waving his American flag and, 
people with their John Cougar Mellencamp records and stuff like that. Why do you think that people think that America's number one? Not why is it number one, but why do you think that other people think that America's number one? Is that like one of those rhetorical questions or like, like you're asking me for real, for real? No, I'm asking you for real. <laughs> with, with, with oh, people, with American people? propaganda. Just like when in World War II, Germany was so prominent with the propaganda, they were able to basically have the Nazi party take over. Well, as Americans, we have a lot of propaganda, our media, our commercials, mm-hmm. our bravado, our, our stances in other countries, our presence in other countries. So it's basically a propaganda thing. We, we, we say it, we, we, make, we say it, we try to represent it, we make you believe it. But what it's all, it, in essence, I want to say that this Japan is number one. Yeah. You know, I would probably say that Sweden's number one. And Sweden is, they're socialists, but they're not socialists like, like other people think about socialism. You know, their brand of socialism. That's valid. And I would say Canada's in the top five. Yeah. And all these all these countries have had their problems with racism before and had problems with, you know, and, and I would never come out my face and say there are no racists in Canada or there's no racists in Germany. There's racists all over the world. But the there's thing is – There's definitely racism in Sweden. You ain't going to see any blacks there. Believe me, they're treated like shit. I've been there. Oh, oh it's probably – there's probably no blacks there because it's freezing. <laughs> <laughs> Put the, put uh, the we're, not, we're not cold weather folks at all. <laughs> we're not cold weather folks. But um, Patrice O'Neill, uh, one of my favorite comedians, God rest his soul, he passed away a few years ago. He had mm-hmm. a skit that he did back in 2004, and he was asking the audience, why did why did why is America number one? And uh, you know, he's asking people in the audience, and you know. But basically, America, Americans think they're number one because uh, – and I don't know if I'm doing it in the same context that he was, but he says because we're arrogant. You know, We're number one because we're arrogant and we don't care about other people. And he joked. He said, I go to other people's countries and refer to them in their own country as foreigners, and it's that American exceptionalism. And as my friend put it, the problem with thinking that we're number one is that if we think we're number one, then there's no room for improvement. Because when you're number one, you're on top. That's it. You're done. There's nothing more to do. There's nothing more to say. We're number one. And they feel there's no room for improvement. Of course there's room for improvement. But the problem is we don't really give a shit about people. We give a shit about our allies. So if something happens in France or something happens in Germany, we care. We'll put up our Facebook posts and, you know, say, we're with you, France, we're with you, Germany, you know. But if something happens in Nigeria, no one gives a shit. Unless, of course, uh, an American died too. Then people care. Put it like this. I was arguing with some jackass in the forums, and he was hating on President Obama about the drone program. Now, keep in mind, the drone program is a horrible, horrible program. Because there is so much collateral damage in those drone strikes. It's not like a science fiction movie where the drone just singles out one guy, like one terrorist is at the mailbox, and the drone just pops out the sky and just kills him and only him. You know, 
so much collateral damage, and not just civilians, but women and children as well. So the drone program is basically just making more terrorists by making them hate us. A gentleman was quoted on the John Oliver show. He was saying that he hates sunny days. He loves cloudy, rainy days because when it's cloudy and rainy, the drones don't fly when it's cloudy out. These people live in, in terror that they may be walking down the street and the drone is just going to come out of the sky and blow them up because they just happen to be on the same side of the street as a terrorist. So what this guy was mad at Obama about was that there were uh, American citizens who – now, I couldn't find anything in the article saying that these people had renounced their citizenship. That might have been an important thing, but I couldn't find any proof that they had renounced their citizenship, but they had definitely joined al-Qaeda. So they joined either al-Qaeda or they joined ISIS, and they were plotting to do terrorist strikes against Americans, against other Americans. So they were targeted in drone strikes, and they were killed in drone strikes. So what was pissing this guy off about Obama is like how dare he murder American citizens – Without giving them due process. Now, that might be something that I could agree with, except for one thing. Two words that make that makes his whole argument bullshit. Guantanamo Bay. We have prisoners in Guantanamo Bay who have been in Guantanamo Bay since Bush was president. Obama's presidency is almost done. And they've been there since Bush has been president. So we're talking about 10, 12 years, maybe more. These people have been on Guantanamo Bay, uh, never been charged with a crime. So it's kind of like you being arrested, and they're just going to hold you until they can find something on you. You didn't do anything wrong. Somebody just said, you know what? Keep an eye on Blue. I think Blue is kind of shifty. And they arrest you, and they put you in jail. And they're trying to find something on you, and they can't find anything on you. So they're like, you know what? Leave them there. We'll find something on them eventually. And then 12 years later, you're still in prison. The people in Guantanamo Bay have no due process. And people are fine with that because they're not American citizens. That's the thing that burns me, is that even though you're not a citizen, you still have rights. Even if you're an illegal immigrant and you get caught committing a crime in the, in the United States, you still have to go to court. And you still have to go through the process, right? So on the whole thing about uh, drone strikes killing American citizens overseas, I can kind of agree with them on that. But the problem is, is that we just pick up people and put them in prison for 12, 13, 14 years with no due process, nothing, and that's okay. It's because we're arrogant. We think that American lives are worth more than other people's lives. If American is not dead in whatever tragedy happens across the world, nobody cares at all. That's a bad thing. Because when something like this happens to us, when Donald Trump becomes president, people don't say, oh, my God, how could this have happened? People are probably saying, yeah, we knew that horseshit was going to happen. 
because Americans are assholes. It's hard to separate the people from the government when we have a system where the people who are in government are the people who we elect. In certain cases, like in North Carolina, maybe a little bit different. They're gerrymandered up the ass. So, yeah, of course, you know, you can vote whoever you want to. The only reason why McCrory is not in office still is because gerrymandering doesn't really affect the governor's races as much as it affects Congress. So that's why Hillary lost by 177,000 votes and Pat McCrory lost by 10,000. But American exceptionalism, it's just we're just too arrogant, man, and we just don't give a shit about people. So now when we're down, the world is laughing at us. Russians are laughing at us. They're laughing at the fact that Putin helped put uh, Trump in office. And now he's going to play him like a fiddle for four years. So any standing we have in the world is just about gone. He's talking about doing another arms race. Really? That thing that Reagan did 20 years ago, 30 years ago? Come on. You've got to be shitting me. I think he just sees stuff and just says it and doesn't know what he's saying. And we're going to suffer, and a lot of people are just not going to care because we don't care. That's the problem. You know, One of the reasons why we're in the skin we're in is because we're just not really a smart people. And I'm not going to play like myself like I'm some genius. I'm just some, I'm just some bum with a computer and a microphone. <laughs> okay, let's just get that out of the way. I'm not going to pretend like I'm smarter than anybody else. Yes, I have a college degree. But, you know, I don't think that I would be smart enough to run for president. You know, Trump is really not smart enough to run for president if you put it on that scale, right? Put it like this. Trump has a Bachelor of Science degree in economics. He went to like four or five different schools that I, could, that, I, that I saw. He has a Bachelor of Science in Economics, right? President Obama has a bachelor's degree in political science from Columbia University. He, he earned his Juris Doctor degree at Harvard Law School. He taught constitutional law at the University of Chicago. Actually, I'm sorry, University of Chicago Law School. He was president of the Harvard Law Review. Okay. So, yeah, if you read me those credentials and you said, oh, that guy's running for president, I'd be like, go for it. But you read Trump's credentials, it's like, yeah, he inherited a bunch of money and he has a bachelor of science degree in economics. Yeah, why is he running for president? When Bush ran for president, people were like, I like a president I can sit down and have a beer with. You know, who you, you know, you know what professional you sit down and have a beer with? Your car dealer, the guy who you're going to buy a car from. Sit down and have a beer with that guy. Sit wait, down wait, and have wait, a wait. beer pause, with pause, your... pause. Ask, I'm not sure I understand something. So Donald Trump has a – he does not have a master's degree? No. Not and, that I can find. And Roy and Pat McCrory, he didn't have a master's degree? No. Okay. Now, keep in mind – are, are you seeing a pattern here? 
Yeah, absolutely I am. And keep in mind, there is no educational requirement to, to run for any office, for president, governor, no educational requirement. But the thing is – But wouldn't there be some gangster shit if we had like a, a doctorate level economics major, you know what I'm saying, for president right. or something? And that would be – I think that would work. That would work. Like if you had somebody like, like a Robert Reich, that would definitely work. Because he knows how all the moving parts work, and he knows how to get the most out of it. Trump knows how to make it work for himself at the expense of other people. And that goes into being a a world-class con man. That's the only thing that Donald Trump is really good at, is being a con man, because he's a shitty businessman. It's almost as if he got his degree from his own Trump University. That's how shitty a businessman he is. How do you lose a billion dollars in a year? A billion. $950 million in losses he reported in one year on one of his leaked tax returns. $950 million. If you were in a mafia and you lost a million dollars, they'd find you in a dumpster. He lost $950 million. So we ain't even got to say the mafia. That's an American thing. I don't know how he slipped through the cracks as much as he did thus far. Yeah, yeah. It's like they joked about on uh, the boondocks. Uh, Ed Asner's character had his Chinese counterpart, and he was like, if, if a Chinese businessman lost a billion dollars, he said they'd have him executed. But in America, you lose a billion dollars, they give you a billion more. You know, that's why we find ourselves in the skin that we're in. So people say America needs to be run like a business. Like what kind of business? Like Trump University? Like Trump Steaks? Like Trump Airlines? Trump Vodka? Trump the board game? The man is an absolute Those business. Those all sound like failed businesses to me, Mark. Yeah, they are. Every last one of them is, has failed. Trump Airlines. And because Trump runs businesses because he just figures, hey, one of my friends has that business. I could do better than that. And then he doesn't. Even real estate, he's supposed to be a real estate mogul. He's lost billions in real estate. So, not only has he lost billions in real estate, he's failed to pay millions in wages to people that work for him. Yep. But yet, people feel that he's going to, you know, bring jobs back and bring in fair wages when, just like you said, he doesn't pay his own workers. So I guess the people that feel that are truly ignorant and dumbasses. And yeah, I said it, and I mean it. Oh, absolutely. I I can't argue with you there because all it takes in this day and age, you know, I I try to give them a pass, being that you know, like if you don't, if you live in some place where you don't get a lot of news, all you gotta do is Google it. You know. And even if you just stick to, like, New York Times, New York Daily News, like actual newspapers, and read up about Trump, it's really not hard to figure him out. And I said it before, and I'm going to say it again. It ain't had nothing to do with Trump. It had everything about them not wanting to continue Obama's legacy and not wanting a women president. It was a racial, sexual backlash in that way. And that's, that's the problem with America. Like you say, let's reflect America. And I'm not saying America with a C. I'm saying America with 3K. Yeah. I mean, everybody that voted against Hillary, were they sexist? No. 
But were there a lot of sexists who voted against Hillary? Yes, absolutely they were, and they make no bones about it. Do you even have women who were on camera saying, I don't think a woman should be president because it's, it's a man's job? No, nah, they was like, I know how I am when I'm on my period, and they really don't want that headache. <laughs> I don't think that – I really don't have about headaches because Hillary already passed menopause, so she wouldn't have those issues. Yeah. That, that ship has sailed. You know, if she gets some hot flashes, she just, you know, whatever they do for hot flashes, I don't know. I think she's passed the hot flash. They told us um, Hillary. Hillary's uh, late 60s, I think. Yeah, she's, that would have stopped around 55 for her one kid. Yeah, she would have been. It extends every time you have a kid. She only had that one kid, so yeah, yeah. She had her stopped a while back. Yeah. But it's funny how Obama has to be extraordinary to hold the same job that as Trump, and Trump is just average. And like I said, the only reason why Trump funnier, has to be... mm-hmm. Yeah, but what's even funnier is, like, show this guy some respect. Like, yeah, yeah, I don't really see a lot of respect given the cool kids gave Obama respect, you know what I'm saying? The, the celebrities gave Obama respect. Politicians near and far failed to give him the respect he needed. He could have got so much more done, which in my opinion, and opinion of many others, would have been mm-hmm. in the betterment of America if they would have just got past the issues of this motherfucker. You know, that's basically what it felt like, <laughs> this motherfucker. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. There was a Huffington Post put together. I remember reading articles and seeing videos about people saying, politicians saying, whatever he puts out, we're going to shut it down. Why would you yeah. do that? You're not hurting any. You're not hurting him. He's getting his four hundred thousand dollars. He's getting his his plane rides wherever he wants to go. He's he's getting a rent free pad basically. I mean, no matter what happens, he can't do worse than Bush. Period. Um, yeah. And you didn't do nothing but cement yourself as a racist, as a person going against the American agenda. If anybody, anyone who voted for these people that were against him, if you didn't agree with the policy, fine. Offer a different policy. Offer an alternative. Offer some kind of correct, um, how you say, a collaboration or you know a mutual point in which you could come to an agreement on. Don't just shut right. stuff down. Okay, yeah, maybe the, the, the Affordable Care Act wasn't the best. In theory, it could have been. There's some things that could be fixed to make it better. I know this to be true. Uh, right. Said and Danny, don't shut down everything he's trying to do because you don't because he's black. Look, because he's because he's not. He doesn't look like you because he doesn't come from the same club or. Frat, frat house that you came from That's mm-hmm. just ridiculous And you got these old cronies And you know I like the word to use cronies You know On the White House lawn And these politician positions Just shitting on America And anybody who voted for them Are assholes And I I think that I'm going to enter the political I think I'm going to really enter into politics Starting in 2017 I'm really going to start making some moves Because the wrong people are in office. The wrong people are in place. And, yeah, I'll probably get shut down because I don't have the, the, the funding stream. But I promise you, I bet the media can do a lot of things that money can't, and I'm going to make it work. <clears throat> when it's all yeah. said and done, it's just a shame that these people did what they did, and, and many of them found themselves reelected. Yeah, and some of them in, in North Carolina, some of them ran on the post because – they looked at the districts and the way that they're gerrymandered, and they were just like, look, I could run against this guy, but – and I'm better than this guy, but 
the way the districts are gerrymandered, it would be a waste of money and time because there's no way I could beat this guy because of the way the systems are gerrymandered. Now, we have a shot at this because, like I said last week, a federal, federal judges said you need to redraw these districts, and uh, they can't be the way they are now. So there's going to be – they have to be redrawn by March, and there's going to be a special election in November. So we have another shot at this, and we just can't squander it. So that's one thing that I plan on doing is getting the word out and letting people know, hey, this November, if, you're in, if you live in North Carolina, you have to vote. You know? And I know people will rag at me, well, you didn't vote for president. Yeah, but I voted in my local elections, and I'm going to do it again in November. So we need to make this work. But the thing is, you know, like we said, education. We don't really care about education that much. Well, you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to walk back on that. I mentioned this before. There was a case in Mississippi. Uh, I think it was during the 2012 elections. Uh, might have been the midterms. But uh, there was a uh, Republican incumbent, and he was running against a Tea Party psychopath. And this Tea Party psychopath was running on he, his platform was education cuts. That was his platform. And Democrats were like, holy shit. We can't... And and he was gaining a lot of ground. And he was about to unseat the the incumbent Republican. Now, it's Mississippi. It's a red state. So they figure, okay, the Republicans are probably going to win, but which Republican do we want? The business-as-usual guy or the Tea Party psychopath looking to cut education? So... Democrats who didn't vote in their own primary because Mississippi is an open primary. You can vote for whoever you want to in the primaries. Of course, you just can't vote for both parties at the same time. They just said, look, we need to protect our interests. We're going to vote for the Republican incumbent and oust this Tea Party psychopath. So even if we lose, at least we won't lose everything. And that's what they did. And the Tea Party guy was so angry that he lost like that. But when people hear education cuts, they're like, oh, oh, no, especially if you're in Mississippi and you're constantly in the bottom five in education. They're like, oh, no, we can't cut. What are you going to cut? You can't cut down to the bone because there's no more meat. You're just going to saw through the bone to make cuts. Can't do that. So when I say people don't care about education, that's not true. It's uh, governments don't care about education all that much. Because whenever there is uh, – like when you have something like what happened in Louisiana, where Bobby Jindal destroyed the entire state, destroyed their budget, and left a horrible mess for his uh, – for the Democrat that took over Louisiana. Left them with uh, – uh, I can't even begin to describe the financial disaster Bobby Jindal left behind because of his Reaganomic style of running – of just tax cuts for the rich – you know, the poor can go fuck themselves. But usually in these situations, when they need to make cuts, the first two things that go is A, social services, like uh, welfare, mental health, you know, safety net programs for working class families. That's first to go. And second, education. Education always gets to cut. Not subsidies to corporations. Social services and education is always the first to go. Always the first to go. And it really hurts us. Put it like this, right? 
uh, a 2015 study by the OECD, and I didn't put in my notes what OECD stands for. I apologize about that. But they ranked the educational systems by the results of kids age 15 at math and science. The ranking is very similar to the general ranking with uh, top-tier Asian countries leading the list. Okay, So you had 76 countries that um, took part in this. So any countries not listed simply just didn't take part in the program or take part in the study. Out of 76 countries that were part of the program, America is 29th. Now, we're supposed to be the most powerful nation in the world. You figure if we're in top 10, I'd be happy with top 10. But we're 29th, 29th. So some of the, some of the countries that are ahead of us are like Czech Republic is 21st. Latvia is 24th. Ireland is 15th. Slovenia is 18th. Okay, Canada is 10th. Poland is 11th. Here's one thing that always struck me as funny, the fact that Poland is, num- is number 11 on the list. You remember back in the 80s, people used to tell Polish jokes about how stupid Pol- uh, Polish people are? And I remember jokes as a kid. They were like, um, why, isn't there, why aren't there ice cubes in Poland? And it says because they, they forgot the recipe, shit like that. Poland is number 11 on the list. America is 29th. Who's the dumbass about ahead of us? Who's the dumbasses now? There you go, Murphy. Yeah. Said that almost at the same damn time. That's a <laughs> Poland is 11. America is 29. Ty- and then, like they said about the Asian countries, Taiwan is fifth. Japan is fourth. South Korea third. Hong Kong second. Number one is Singapore. Number one. I told your ass. I told your ass it was number one. <laughs> <laughs> Singapore number one, math and science. Uh, with kids age rank, uh, with kids age uh, fifteen. United Kingdom is twentieth, and you figure the states that are behind us, some of them are a little bit surprising. Like for instance, Russia is thirty fourth. Uh, Israel is 39th. I can see that, though. Look how big Russia is. Russia will be wise to break up, you know what I'm saying, into, like, different mm-hmm. countries or whatever, more so than what they are. And it wouldn't mm-hmm. be such a stressful thing to try to rule. Imagine trying to rule that big-ass landmass. You see how large that landmass is? It's like three or four Americans could fit in there. Yeah. That was the problem with, uh, I think it was the Roman Empire. It was too big. And they, you know... They didn't know what was going on, and you figure it's the Roman Empire. They didn't have any sort of communication other than people on horses or on foot. You know, at least now you have internet, telephone, texting stuff like that to get messages across. But it is, you know, it is huge. You know, their landmass is ridiculous. You figure uh, Mexico is fifty fourth on the list. Uh, Brazil is sixtieth. Saudi Arabia is sixty sixth. And that's probably that probably makes sense because you know I don't think they I don't think they want the women to read. I guess they figure if the women learn how to read, they'll learn how to fill out a visa and get the hell out of there. Um, well, I, I've been to Saudi Arabia. The thing about Saudi Arabia is, you think that we have a, a distinct difference between the one percent and the ninety nine? Theirs is even more profound. Yeah, because Saudi so Arabia is a monarchy, are very, right? Very poor. They're not even going to school at all to take care of their family. 
So that's right. understandable across the board. But there might be some bias in these numbers, too. Whoever did the poll probably had some, you know, some skewed information. Right. I mean, you figure 75th is South Africa, 76th is Ghana. You know, Honduras, you know, 74th. But America's 29th. And the thing is, we just don't take education all that seriously. You know, you figure people who voted against uh, Hillary. Yeah, there are some that voted against her because she's a woman. That's, you know, that's definitely there. That's definitely on the table. But they, some people don't like Hillary because they, you know, Hillary is also like Obama. She's highly educated. You know, she's a lawyer, just like Obama. Although Obama is a constitutional lawyer. I think Hillary, I, I think she was a defense lawyer. Don't quote me. But I think we mentioned this on an earlier show, but a lot of Trump voters consider what they consider to be elites are basically teachers, uh, lawyers, doctors, you know, people with degrees. And they don't like people like, that they consider to be the elites telling them what to do. So they see a doofus like Donald Trump, and they're just like, well, he's just like me. It's like David Cross said when he, when he was talking about that. He was like, Donald Trump's just like me in every way, except in no way. <laughs> I know I botched this joke, but, you know, he was saying like, yeah, like Donald Trump's just like me, born and raised in New York City. <laughs> you know, he, he just, he talks in small sentences, you know, and it's, you remember uh, Gretchen Carlson from Fox News? One, one I, of the do, blonde, I do. Yeah, one of the yes, blonde I, I remember her quite well when I used to watch. Woo, when I used to watch news like that. <laughs> yeah. John Stewart called her out big time on one of his segments because Gretchen Carlson. You ever see the look that she has on her face when she pretends to not know anything? And she's like, "Me." It's almost like the look on her face is saying, "Oh, how would I know? I'm just a woman." Gretchen Carlson graduated from an Ivy League college. She is highly educated, highly intelligent, and yet she'll get on Fox News in front of millions of people and pretend that she doesn't know how to Google something because she needs to connect with her audience. She needs to act like a dumbass to connect with her audience. That is the ultimate insult. And that is the – no, I, I, I disagree, Merck. Remember, much like my name, Kaiser Sosafe, remember, I have to blend in in order to get the most benefit. Right. But the thing is, someone like Kaiser Sose, like blending into uh, a criminal element, and, and yeah, we're going to give some spoilers on uh, the usual suspects. You figure someone blending into a criminal element to, be, to make himself seem harmless, like he pretended to be a cripple, right, so that nobody would notice him, so that people would underestimate him. But Gretchen Carlson's pretending to be an idiot so she can connect with her audience. I think that's an insult. And don't get me wrong, I know Chaz Palmieri, even like uh, his character was just like, yeah, he got suckered in a big way. You know? But the thing is, at least Chaz got it. The Fox News folks don't get it. <laughs> they don't get it. That is Reservoir Dog somehow connected to Usual Suspect? No. Different directors. Okay, okay. For some reason, it feels very similar. 
Yeah, but Reservoir Dogs was Tarantino. I don't remember who directed uh, Usual Suspects, but it wasn't Tarantino. Okay, good stuff. Yeah, yeah. Both great but, movies. Check them out. Yeah, but they just don't get it. You know, put it like this, okay? I know we won't, I know we won't, we've only got a few minutes left, but you look at uh, teacher pay, right? One of the reasons why uh, you know our teachers, most of our teachers are underpaid, and there's a lot of work that goes into being a teacher. A teacher is not a nine to five job. Meaning, like I, I do my job. I go in from nine to five, and when my time is done, I go home, and then I'm done until the next day. Being a teacher is not like that. You're constantly taking work home with you. Your day doesn't end when the last school bell rings. You got papers to grade. You have lesson plans to write. You know, and a lot of people who don't know stuff about teachers, you know, they always talk. Have you ever had a teacher that you saw? During the summertime, like he's a maitre d' of a restaurant, or he drives an ice cream truck, or he's working at the rec center. It's basically because teachers don't get paid during the summer. So people are under the illusion that I know this to be paid. true. Yeah, I, I know this to be true. I was a teacher for two years, and I was just like, oh, this ain't for me. The money ain't equating what I'm putting into it, and the kids ain't getting the benefit from it because the parents are assholes. Yeah. When I was a kid, what the, I mean, a teacher would have to be a real shithole teacher for a parent to believe a teacher over a kid. So if, I, if my teacher sent a note home, yeah, the teacher's word was law. And a teacher would have to be horrible at their job for a parent to take the word of a kid over the teacher. Now, like you said, a lot of parents are assholes. And they figure if their kids are dumbasses, not because – uh, they didn't prepare them. It's because it's the teacher's fault. Teachers never get the benefit of doubt. You know, but like you said, the pay doesn't equate to the work. You know, in other countries, teachers are rock stars. You know, because and what they do is highly valued. It's not valued in the U.S. at all. Now, I know I, I did a lot of bitching about America tonight, and I think what I'm going to do is Saturday, uh, in my, all my segment on Saturday, I'm going to go over some solutions and just some stuff that you know, we could probably do, not just for Republicans. I don't, want, I don't want this to seem like it's just all on Republicans, even though I ragged on Republicans a lot tonight. It's on everybody, you know, liberals, Democrats, you know. Independence, it doesn't matter because we're all in this together. You know. So on next on Saturday show, I'm gonna talk about some things that maybe we could do to kind of come together on this. You know, and then to hopefully to make the next four years a little bit more bearable. Because the outlook is looking pretty bleak. I know a lot of people who were just like, yeah, I'm, I'm going to buy a new car next year. And then Trump became president. They were like, yeah, maybe I'll just take the bus. I may need that money to stock up my bomb shelter, you know, or to, or to try and buy a plane ticket to Germany or something like that. So a lot of people's plans changed when Trump became president because they're just like, look, there's not going to be enough to go around when Trump's president. 
But no matter the outcome of the election, we're all in this together. We're all either going to have to work together and get ahead, or we're all just going to die together. You know what we're going to be like? The, another spoiler alert. Sorry. I, I don't really feel it's a spoiler alert for a 20-year-old movie, but the movie Glory with Matthew Broderick and Denzel Washington. You know what's going to happen in the, at the end of the Trump presidency if we don't work together to get out of this? There's going to be a big ditch full of dead bodies, and they're going to toss in your body, and then they're going to toss in my body. And we're all going to be in that ditch, rotting, if we don't find a way to, to work this out. So is America the best country in the world? No. God, no. There's only one thing we're good at, and that's bombing people. And I'm going to take a, a quote from the late, great George Carlin. You know, We don't have a steel industry. You know, we can't build a car, TV, or DVD player worth shit. We don't educate our young people. We don't take care of our old people. But we can bomb the shit out of your country. That's what we're good at, war. And I don't even think we're good at that. (laughs) I really don't. So let's just think about how we can get out of this. We're in it. The Electoral College screwed us over. We're in it. And it's going to be a rough four years, unless Donald Trump does something so bad that they impeach him. But even then, you got Mike Pence. So it's going to be six of one, half dozen of the other. So we're in this together. We got to get out of this together. So Saturday, I'll get a little bit more positive, and we'll see what we can do. Blue, you have any last words? Nah, no last words. You know what I'm saying? You, you pretty much summed it up. It was a good intro into Saturday's show. Um, yeah, I'm going I'm to write down some solutions, my dance. Because anybody yeah. can complain and bitch all day. It's, it's the strategies that get us out of that. You know, what, what what benefit are we to the people if all we do is bitch and complain, da, 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 if we don't come up with anything? I mean, yeah, bringing the, the information to the masses is very important, but also we need to have the stand, the stand to be like, well, this is what we can do. To alleviate this issue or this is what we can do different because obviously we did something very very wrong in order to find ourselves in the situation we find ourselves in now exactly so we're good we're gonna we're gonna get this figured out you know because we don't really have much of a choice right so but uh that's all i had <laughs> I gotta find out. I, I, I gotta find out. I, I gotta work on on ending the shows because I I just thought I'm like, well, that's it. That's all I got. <laughs> that's all you got, folks. All right, man. Be good. See you Saturday. All right. Have a good one. <laughs>